It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name's Dominic Ponsford, and you're listening to The Future of Media Explained. And this week, we're talking about the rise and fall of the free newspapers. So we're talking about free newspapers and with me to discuss this part of the media is Press Gazette's UK editor, Charlotte Tobit. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Dom. So free newspapers. Well, um, in all the years I've been writing for uh, Press Gazette, which has been quite a few years, certainly since 2008, print has been in decline, in, in severe decline, really. But when people have said to me, ah, oh, print's over, it's all over, I would say, well, look at the free newspapers because they're doing so well. And Metro's been doing brilliantly. Evening Standard, it went from losing a ton of money as a paid-for newspaper to becoming a sort of success and uh, circulating over a million copies a day and making a profit when it became free. So free newspapers have been a success story of the last decade, but sadly things have not been going quite so well since the pandemic. Is that right, Charlotte? Yes. So, I mean, unsurprisingly, it it was always a very tough time during the pandemic. Free newspapers rely a lot on commuter numbers. And so, you know, even six months after the start of the pandemic, two passengers' numbers were still 72% below pre-COVID levels. So, you know, that's a lot less people who are going to be able to pick up your newspapers. So they all dealt with it in different ways. So City AM, which is the main one we'll be hearing about today, stopped printing just before the lockdown actually came into action. It was initially still doing a digital edition, but then that still took pretty much the same amount of work. So they had to stop that as well. And then it took 18 months for City AM to be back in print on the streets. Metro did keep going, but it's cut its distribution from above 1 million to just above 300,000 for quite some time. But even though it was operating at a loss, it said it wanted to keep printing to serve the key workers who did keep commuting. And then finally, um, the Evening Standard reduced its print distribution from 800,000 copies a day to roughly 500,000. And actually, for the first time, it delivered about half of those to people's homes. And it also temporarily stopped its ES magazine, which is obviously a big commercial drive as well. So, yeah, to summarise, yeah, a really tough time. But as we're going to hear more about, we're sort of coming out of that. We've we've come out of that period now. And for some of them, things are looking up. So it's a nightmare, really, isn't it? Because they're, they're obviously def- dependent on advertising. And advertising is heading into a bit of a tough period now because we've got this consumer downturn. 
And if you're talking about the UK, um, free new free newspapers are really concentrated in London, aren't they? And London is the capital city of the world, I think, for home working, isn't it? It's the one place where hybrid working seems to be really bedded in and there's a lot less commuting going on than, than happened before. And they're reliable on these sort of distribution points at railway stations, aren't they, for, for, getting, these, for getting the papers out? Yes, yeah, so I think there's been a bit of innovation there. So um, I can say City AM, for example, when they realised that sort of hybrid was here to stay, but they wanted to be back in print, they thought, um, you know, how can we reach people in ways that we didn't before? So they've got loads more distribution points, um, like further out in the commuter belt. And what they're saying is they're seeing people who are popping out from their homes in the morning before home working, but maybe to get a coffee or maybe they're dropping the kids at nursery or something like that. And they're still picking up the paper. If it's sort of an audience that feels engaged with you, they'll still find ways to sort of continue that, even if it's in a slightly different way to before. It's not just newspapers, is it? I mean, going back a few years, not that many years, there are all sorts of magazines, some very good ones, weren't there, being being distributed for free around London and other cities. And um, they've had a pretty mixed, well, not really mixed, it's all been bad, hasn't it, for them over the last few years? Yeah, sadly, Time Out London is the latest victim of that. It took a few, month, a few months hiatus during the pandemic. It did return, but now, sadly... It's announced that its last print edition will be on the 21st of June. So there are very few free magazines still operating in the same way that they used to. But it's not over for print. I must say, City AM, I had my doubts about whether they were going to emerge from all this because they've had a pretty bumpy life all, all, ever since they launched, really. It's, ne- it's never been plain sailing for them, but they always seem to uh, to struggle through. And uh, y- you've been finding out, you know, what, what the future holds for them and, and why they do have a future. So t- tell us about the, uh, the interview we've got coming up. Yeah, so just to sort of show partly why it is looking up, they were out of print for 18 months, but now they've been back for nine months. They came back in September 2021. And their distribution they're putting out is only 5% less than they were in February 2020, which sounds pretty impressive. So they're still over 80,000. And then on top of that, basically, they used the time they had during the pandemic to really build their digital first operation in the same way that lots of publishers have obviously had to do over the past few years. But it sort of just shows they could have just, you know, let the pandemic win and let that be the thing that toppled them. But but they said, no, you know, we can adapt. We there is there's plenty we can still do. And they have they've launched all sorts of, you know, podcasts, newsletters, collaborations, relationships with platforms that they didn't have before, all sorts of these things. So it does feel like a new era. So. I've spoken to editor Andy Sylvester. He became editor in November 2020. He was previously the deputy editor to Christian May. Before he joined City AM, he was head of PR and a lead writer at The Sun. So he's got some interesting experience in sort of different parts of the media as well. So me and Andy spoke about City AM's journey through the pandemic, how they've become more resilient. And he shares some very robust views on the shape of the free sheet market as a whole as well and why he still thinks print has a place and why he doesn't think it's going anywhere anytime soon and so I started by asking how Andy's feeling and whether he settled back into the swing of things after returning in print.
general mood, I think, is, is probably best summed up as knackered. But, but no, we have settled back into the swing of it. And I hope that that people have seen that. As you say, we turned the print presses off way back in March 2020 for what we thought would be a matter of weeks, I think, three, four weeks at most. And that it, it took 18 months. I think if you'd said to me in March 2020 that it will be 18 months till you get a paper back on the streets, I, I think all of us here probably would have thought, blimey, uh, and we might not have, have thought that, that we would have survived. But we did. Uh, we'll talk about that if you want. But we changed a lot of our internal processes to really become a, a digital-first operation. We tried to bring it back in. Uh, we, we'd originally planned to bring it back in September 2020. And to be honest, we brought a lot of the team back, and, and it just became apparent that the footfall just wasn't there at that point. People just weren't weren't minded to come back, and obviously that was a decision that, that proved right in hindsight as as we headed back into to lockdown two and, and three. By which point we become quite comfortable with the digital side of things. We were pushing on, developing a few new ideas, but yeah, we felt the time was right in September twenty twenty one to to bring the paper back. Yeah, it's we've changed a bit as a company and our focuses have changed, but fundamentally the newspaper is part of our DNA. The city of London Canary Wharf is, is part of our DNA and, and being there back in a physical presence has been, has been really satisfying. And I think it sounds odd to say it, but actually we've probably come out of the, that 18 month hiatus in a stronger place as a media organization, as a newsroom than we were going in because we were forced to accelerate our digital transformation for want of a better phrase it doesn't sound quite so management speaky yeah we were forced to accelerate that by the pandemic and and as a result i think we've got a much better digital offering as well as as i say bringing back the newspaper which is very much part of what city am is yeah so i think that's quite a common theme really the accelerating in digital i think maybe if we just round off the print side of things mm-hmm. with a couple more questions then we'll I definitely obviously want to hear more about the digital transformation just on print. So you're looking at ABC, your print distribution since you've been back has obviously been somewhere between 76,000 and 82,000. And sort of February 2020 was 85,000. So you're not far off pre-pandemic. So how do you see that level? Are you planning to keep increasing it? Are you happy with the level that it's at? Or how do you make that decision? Well, yeah, I think we probably proved a lot of sceptics wrong on on Mm. getting the paper back, step one, but also getting it back at those circulation levels i think there's been a lot of discussion about the death of the free sheet and and whether or not free sheets could survive i fundamentally think that they can they will and that if they're done properly and done well you can keep an engaged audience and and i think at city am we are possibly lucky in the sense that we built up a really loyal following in, in the 15 odd years of having the paper out on the streets of the city of London. I think I think it was former editor. I think it was Christian that said that he always felt that we were a local paper that just happened to be at the heart of the financial universe. And I think as a result of that and staying true to that in print, when we bought the paper back, people still saw that we were talking about this community. And as the city came back, I say as the city came back, it never really went away. But as the city came back and City AM came back alongside it, I think people were, as I say, really happy to see it back on the streets. In terms of where we are circulation-wise, yeah, obviously it always wants to go up, don't we? That's certainly the plan. And I think we, we've we innovated slightly over the past past few months uh, in terms of where we put the paper to make sure it's getting in the right people's hands. We had some teething problems. I don't think there's any harm in admitting to that in terms of distribution. The driver shortage, which was, of course, well covered by City AM when it came to supermarket deliveries and frozen food. And there was also a driver shortage of, of, of van drivers who you know, wanted to work overnight running papers from our printers to, to central London. So we had some issues there, but, but those seem to have been wiped out. And we, we're looking into, over the next few months, we're looking at 
Is there a way we can do elements of home delivery? We've significantly upped our office distribution. And of course, one of the, the main changes when we went back into print, recognizing the, the sort of hybrid working mood, but also thinking there remains a very strong value to a curated, well thought through newspaper that brings a smile as well as then we expanded into, into more kind of suburban communities and and we have seen actually pick up there remaining quite strong despite the fact that often people aren't necessarily getting on the train they're still when they get the coffee in the morning grabbing a coffee so yeah i think happier where circulation is wouldn't be a very good editor if i wasn't trying to uh, trying to increase it uh, every day <laughs> definitely say about the potential home delivery actually because that was obviously something that the evening standard experimented with during the pandemic is that partly because of the hybrid working obviously like you just touched on as well yeah i think I think we're just trying to think of different ways to get the paper into people's hands. It goes back to thinking that there's a value in a print newspaper. And I know there there are some people who think that that such a thing doesn't exist. But I think if you put it together well, if you are a kind of friend of the reader and and giving them something that they can't get online, if you're allowing them to sit down for 5, 10, 15 minutes and feel informed, but also feel like, like they're a part of this sort of revival of, of the city of london and of, and of london more generally i think people will still pick it up so yeah we're gonna we're looking at it as i say there's nothing massively set in stone yet as to what it might look like and we're certainly looking towards the, the back end of the year probably after the school holiday but yeah we're just we're, i think we got through step one of our of city am in the pandemic and our, our new world order which was survival which was really tough at times and, and we lost some good people in that process glad to say that many of them came back at the other end of it then we sort of went through this period of trying to think about new ways of doing things digitally moving that forward and now we're in a sort of i guess one of a better phrase a bit of a growth phase and working out how city am fits in to the brave new world because it was very easy to understand how a free newspaper that was given away to commuters um, in the city of london worked when there were you know so many commuters coming into the city of London every five days. And I think probably more outside than in, people were questioning what City AM's role was in the post-pandemic world. Um, And actually, as we can see, everybody is developing new normals. Everybody is developing new products and new ways of doing things in in the new world. And and we're no different. But as I say, the circulation has kept up. I think that the journalism we're, you know, producing is still very strong. I think we remain part of that City of London, Canary Wharf, community fabric and and yeah things are things are looking i would say this wouldn't i but things seem to be looking pretty good <laughs> I think we've got a really talented team here who have who have embraced what we're trying to do and, and right now it's a fun place to go to work and as i say hopefully we're still in that conversation making people laugh or be shocked by front pages as well as giving them up-to-date information on the digital side From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads, the best of our reported features and essays read aloud. Songs are like tattoos, Mitchell said on Blue. Having one written about you is immortality and fiction rolled into one. Featuring writing from our authors, including Kate Mossman on Joni Mitchell's former muse and lover, Jeremy Cliff on his journey through France before this year's presidential election, and Sophie McBain, on the refugee crisis. Don't die, he kept shouting. He didn't answer when Marwe screamed back, Who is dying? Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads, published every Saturday morning. Just search audio long reads wherever you get your podcasts.
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's really nice to hear a set out why a print paper is still so nice mm -hmm. for readers. Last question on print specifically before we hear more about the digital is just where you touched on people love to talk about whether it's the death of the free sheets. There's the big issue of obviously the commercial viability. So just how have your commercial partners responded since you've been back? And, and is that sort of going as well as you've hoped? And what sort of things are going on there? Well, we're all still employed, so I guess in one sense. <laughs> no, it is going well, and I, I think it, it touches. I think commercial partners will will probably have the same view of a newspaper that I do, which is that if it's done well, it can become part of a routine, can become a you know trusted um, partner. I think if it's done really well, and obviously I worked at the Sun before, prior to this, and the Sun newspaper was a friend to its readers, still is a friend to its readers, people that feel quite fiercely loyal of it. And I think there's an element of that at City AM as well. And I think commercial partners want to link up with us, not just because obviously the audience is all the things that many commercial partners want, city commuters, don't need to go into great detail on that. But I think more broadly, it's because if you sat down with a copy of City AM, you're going to spend five, 10, 15 minutes. You, hopefully, if I'm doing my job well enough, you're going to engage with it. You're going to smile. 
hopefully you're going to be shocked. You're going to be you're going to walk away smarter than you were when you picked it up, or at least better informed. And I, I can understand why commercial partners would then want to be engaged with that. It is a different model, of course, to online. We're increasingly doing, as, as I understand it from commercial, we're increasingly doing partnerships that are across different platforms, be it digital and print or magazine and print or, or, or whatever it might be. So we are bringing those things together and the, the kind of individual print advertiser is, is probably the print only advertiser is probably probably not as prevalent as it once was. But like I say, there's a real value, I think, to commercial partners of being part of a part of the newspaper, which is, is part of the, the fabric of this place. And I think during the pandemic, one of the things that certainly came out for me in the city of London and, and whenever I went over to Canary Wharf was that there is actually quite a community here. I think people often thought of it as it couldn't have a community because everybody went home at 6pm and arrived at 7am the morning after. And how do you have that community? But actually, the number of relationships that have been formed in the Square Mile over years, decades even, those remain just as strong in lockdown, those partnerships. And I think City M probably speaks to a lot of those people in actually celebrating the city of London uh, and celebrating financial services. I think there are elements of, be slightly diplomatic, there are elements of of, of of the press that don't necessarily want to, the business press that don't necessarily want to celebrate the city of London. And we're always going to hold people to account, but fundamentally we think this place is a force for good. And I think that's probably quite appealing for, for certain commercial partners to be part of this place, getting back on its two feet and, and kicking on and being, remaining a global financial centre as well as a really fun place to, to work and play. Fantastic. Yeah, obviously you touched on digital. Can you tell us a bit more about, yeah, how you changed your whole approach to online? The obvious point is just is moving rotors around and various things like that, just in terms of the newsroom mechanics, having people on earlier in the morning to catch those early breaking corporate news stories, which we'd always done, but never in the same way. We paid more attention to to SEO, audience development, the relationships with Everyone from Google to Flipboard, a lot of that led by our our digital editor, McKeel, who came in September, October 2020, just helped professionalize that side of things. We developed a podcast very early on in the pandemic, which as well as being a good listen, commercially worked for us during that period. And then part of that digital development was realizing that elements of the infrastructure that we had behind our website were not up to scratch and that maybe it was time to look at a whole only website i think for a long time we patched it together and not necessarily thought coherently about the big bang investment just to make the website fit for the future do different things and obviously we, we got our new website i think it was pretty much the same week as we launched the newspaper which is not necessarily something i will i will suggest to anybody else who's considering la- launching a new website and a, a newspaper I suggest spacing them out a tad yeah a new website just a bit more thought going into how we actually make sure our stories get read by people rather than just hoying it up online i think we probably went from a bit of a newspaper with a website attached pre-pandemic to and that's no disrespect to anyone that was here that everyone was working bloody hard on it but in terms of just focusing on it from a a top level we just moved down that path path pretty rapidly and again we're looking at ways to innovate there we're looking at different ways we can get our our best stories in the hands of readers our newsletters are far more widely read than they, than they were before so we really just it's not a case of reinventing the wheel it's just looking around the media landscape and actually the pandemic probably gave us a bit of time to to look at the the best of the industry and 
I'm like an element of it is copying with pride. If there are people doing good newsletters, let's see if we can do our own good newsletters. And I think we have. And uh, and then as we brought obviously the paper back, we've had to we've had to change things around. Everybody works extraordinarily hard here. It's a pretty lean organisation. When he talked about the commercial viability of, of free newspapers, we are in a different place to the free newspapers which we're most often compared to in terms of ownership, size, legacy costs, etc. And probably that has helped us in a way because we've stuck to the, the same model we've had of hungry, ambitious reporters working bloody hard as they are today. And I think they're excited by the fact we're, we're on a, and everyone's excited in the building by the website that's kicking on, but also bringing this paper back because even for, for digital native reporters, there is still something. Having a good competition in the newsroom to see whose name goes on the splash. Yeah, definitely know that feeling. Are you able to share any figures about how the website's been doing? Yeah, I think we're kicking along about two and a half to three million uniques. Pops up and down. Dwell time is is up. Engagement's up. And yeah, I think it's we're certainly moving in the right direction. I think forget the last figure, but yeah, we certainly passed three million unique visitors a month a couple of times over twenty twenty one, and we'll we'll hope to move on move on from there this year. So it's just. Uh, we're trying to do different things and we're trying to also work out, is that the right metric? Should we be looking at engagement time, dwell time? There's a whole number of things. So everything's, I think one of the things that probably people expect from newspapers is that we'll have this sort of great worked out strategy, but actually a lot of it is just trying different things. And also digitally, digitally, we're always looking at appealing to different audiences in a way that we don't have to do with the paper. There will be people who only come to our website for crypto news and they'll go to Crypto AM every day. And that's great. They might not be in the city of London. They might not have been to the square mile in their lives, but they want crypto news that they can trust. We're trying to obviously cater to those audiences whilst also making sure that voice we have in the paper of being a champion of London, square mile, etc. Financial services, British business comes across in our online coverage as well. Cool. And then so commercially from the digital sense, I think you've spoken before about how much you've diversified digital revenues. So how has the revenue split between print and digital changed? And what are, what are the digital things that are most successful in that sense, I guess? Yeah, good question. One of the great, one of my general rules in in the newsroom as an editor is that if I get too involved in commercial, that gives them the right to come over and get involved in editorial. And I've got no mm. interest in that whatsoever. So I'm not going to be able to give you the numbers off the bat and tell you what, what works and what doesn't. But look, I mean, it, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's breaking state secrets to say that digital has become increasingly important to us. But like I said earlier, actually a lot of the deals that commercial are doing, and I just see it because I see the advert online and then I see a 25 by 4 on page 3 in the paper uh, with the same companies for around the same events. So clearly we are trying to to sell eyeballs, as it were, across our different products and indeed our our podcast and various other things. And it, I'd say it seems to be working. We've got a lovely new office. I think all free sheets are forced to innovate constantly. There's, there's nothing to stop somebody else setting up a slightly different version of us that's online only and challenging us and, and scrapping us there or there's nothing to stop anybody setting up a different city-focused free newspaper. So we're always just thinking about ways to innovate and, and keep ourselves on the forefront. I think City M's always been a bit of an underdog. There was certainly plenty of people, from what I understand from talking to the proprietors way back in the day, that thought the City AM was a bit of a flashing plan and wouldn't last six months and, and yet 16 years and a pandemic later we're still here. We've managed to sell out the Guildhall for a and events do. I believe that went well commercially. But yeah, things are things are looking up. And as I say, I think as we, obviously we're heading into a yet another challenging period if we're not there already with a cost of living crisis and a recession, which does not necessarily translate to advertisers 
bumping up their marketing budget. So we'll just have to innovate again. But necessity is the mother of invention. So hopefully some new, new ideas on the way in the second half of the year. Just finally, pretty much just your view of the overall market, I think. Obviously, it sounds like you're feeling quite bullish, making the most of your lean operation. Obviously, Metro and Evening Standard both had their own sort of very different approaches during the pandemic as well. Metro mm. kept printing lower amounts for key workers and is now back over 1 million. Evening Standard also had a lower distribution, did home delivery, but is now keeping distribution lower. Time Out obviously is a completely different type of thing, but also mm-hmm. free. And now that's closing in print. Sort of how do you view yeah, the market for freeze as a whole right now? I think, I don't think I'm, you know, being undiplomatic. The commercial pressures at the standard, for instance, because of its ownership and whatever, are different to the pressures that we've got as a tiny independent organisation. So looking at the overall market is difficult. What I would say is there remains a place for free sheets in the same way there remains a place for paid-for newspapers, which is giving people properly curated, thought-through news, features, analysis. It's not... I don't think the the desire for for newspapers is and print newspapers is ever going to go away. What I think has changed is the level of competition that we've got to grab five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes of people's attention mm-hmm. has gone through the roof. So we've got to get better and become more engaging and, and innovate every day in order to keep those audiences. Um, the eye-catching front page still matters. The the championing of certain causes that your readers care about still matter. And there's always elements of that online. And there are some online paper, online publications, online-only publications that do that really well. But I think print papers that have personality that can be trusted and that people are really spending time putting together and designing so that you get light and shade and all the news you need and, and all these phrases that editors editors use and throw around i think that's still there and i think we're just being forced to compete more and more there's no question that there are other media sources out there that that can take our readers time and and take their attention but i bet 20 years ago there were people predicting death of radio and now you look at it and it's it's this thriving buzzing scene because they've all been forced to do different things and innovate and, and come back to the party but the trusted the, the overall trusted way of doing the news or doing light entertainment on the radio, that hasn't changed. It's just it's just doing it in slightly different ways and making sure we're staying ahead of the competition because if people talk about who our competition is and maybe there's a bit of me in my head that thinks the FT, the Telegraph business desk, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just as much people being sent Instagram videos of golden retrievers on the commute in. So how do we, how do we make our product as interesting and engaging and as valuable to our readers that's what we're trying to do every day and and hopefully as i say the circulation figures being back where they were before the pandemic and hopefully touchwood going up as we head towards the back end of the year suggests that not just us but other people are doing a good job i think the metro did an amazing job during lockdown i think the metro is an amazing product and does does some things incredibly well and yeah more power to all of them Uh, i think that the free sheet market i don't think it's going away but i just think all of us have had to work bloody hard to keep our readers attention Thanks for that, Charlotte. Thanks for that interview. That was um, really interesting. Good to hear from Andy Sylvester. Good to hear he's doing so well. There's life after being PR for The Sun. And he did, he did a very good job there. And he sounds like he's doing a great job at City AM as well. And it's good to hear them doing so well. I think um, it's been a brand that's kind of 
survived a long time and I think it deserves to do well for sticking at it and sticking to its guns. I mean, what what, what do you think were the sort of key take-homes f- f- from that for you? Definitely this idea of community building and being an important source of information for your community, which obviously in City AM's case is the City of London, Canary Wharf and elsewhere in the London finance sector. And also sort of secondary, the, the way that they... They used to be very, very print focused and they've really taken the opportunity to diversify in a really constructive way. So it's sort of just showing the importance now of even not just a website, but, you know, all those additional things, podcasts, newsletters, other platforms and and how to best utilise them and build them for that community. Yeah, so it's all about being there for that community wherever they are. Print's a big part of it on the tube but also all those other sort of touch points for them. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks for that, Charlotte. You've been listening to The Future of Media Explained, Press Gazette's weekly podcast, where we take uh, one topic a week and try and explain what it means for media industry leaders. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a nice review. We'd love that. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks also to Adrian Bradley, our engineer. And you've been listening to me, Dominic Ponsford. Hold up. 